Twas the night before Christmas at a skyscraper in L.A. Hans Gruber and his gang blew some security guards away. They weren't there for terror, despite the clever words of Hans. They just wanted cooperation and negotiable bearer bonds. But their plan would soon unravel before the sun rose Christmas Day. John McClane was in the building. Yippee ki GameZillaMedia.com It's time for the last action podcast! Pop quiz, hot shot! Hey, motherfucker. I feel the need for need for Please, you can kill it. I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And I call out of bubblegum. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this week's episode of the Last Action Podcast. I am LPJ, and joining me, as always, the Sphinx. I really liked that. It was better than yeah. That was theatrical and everything. You see, I had the eyes closed and all that. Our guests seem. Nonplussed. No, I think it. They get way more within their own shows. So, I'm just trying to spice things up a little bit more for ours. Fair enough. All right, we've got some fantastic guests for this special episode today. We have the one, the only, Deadite. Hello. I am personally surprised I was invited back after <laughs> the Halloween special for the Crow. I am, I am amazed that I'm here. I'm glad you're here. And we also have with us the one and only Chops. That's me. <laughs> Hope you're ready for a shit show. It's going to be something. Somehow you're back to, you know, when you're blood related to one of the hosts, it's a curse that I'm back. I don't want to be here. It is. Well, the reason why you're here, the, the two of you specifically, you're here for for a good reason and because today cross branding with the show so that we could help promote both podcast and uh, the live show but yeah. well, if that were the case we'd be doing a crossover on your show to, to reciprocate oh well, we're, we're, we're not. not right oh oh never mind because mm-hmm. I've also never been invited back to the legend of retro ever since the show got a change of uh, host ship that's very strange. Wow, yeah. I've yeah. been on like four times. That's kind of hurtful, it is honestly. It's true. And I've been on hurtful. it now, too. So, you know, I, mean, I, I actually feel really bad. Yeah, you should. <laughs> he doesn't feel bad. I'm wearing my Donkey Kong Country hat, and uh, they uh, just went ahead and did that that game without me, even though. <gasps> just went ahead? That was a while ago. And it's hurt for a long time. Well. But we're not here to talk about how I've been slighted by another <laughs> podcast that's affiliated with, <laughs> with no. the Last Action Podcast. No, we're here to talk about. Uh, Really, the greatest action movie of all time. Die oh, Hard. oh, that's a bold statement right there. Questionably, the greatest? No, I. I mean, are we really going to dig this up right now? Let's do it. Damn, I agree with LPJ. <laughs> wow, what a great debate! So, why are we here? I, I don't, so, well, the reason why you guys are here is, well, Chops, you've seen this a million times. Yep. Yeah, Chops, we don't really know why we invited. But to you. contrast that, <laughs> I wanted to have an opposing opinion. Uh, Deadite. How many times have you seen this movie? Uh, well, I've I've sat down to view it now three times because it, t- it took me multiple chunks of time this week to get through this movie. Um, but, I, but I did it. It's, it's happened. So one time, and I kind of watched part of it another time. Okay. But we're going to really say once. 
once in the span of a week. Okay. I've, re- I've really tried to soak in this movie. And, and that being this week. So Yes. In your near 30 years, well, it will be 30 years of existence. Yeah. You have not seen this movie. No, this is, this is uh, I had brought a fresh set of eyes to it this week. Mm-hmm. LPJ, when's the first time you saw this? Man, first time I saw this movie, I was probably 10, maybe. I saw it on VHS, another one of those movies that my dad had recorded. Mm-hmm. And I just found we had just the box of, of VHS tapes in the basement. And I would randomly go downstairs pull out a VHS tape, throw it in and watch whatever was on it and this this was on one of those one of those tapes. And uh, I loved it the first time I saw it and I watched it I watched it at least once a year um, every year. I usually I watch it around Christmas time uh, and I've seen it it's my favorite Christmas movie. I'm going to go ahead and call it a Christmas movie. Ugh. I've seen this movie <laughs> several dozen times. Yeah, I have also seen this movie a bunch. The first time I saw it um, would have been right around the year 2000. The only reason why I know that is because when my dad bought a DVD player for the first time, you know, when they first came out, like this, the Die Hard trilogy was one of the first movies that he had bought. And so, like, I never seen Die Hard, but I knew all about it. So I'm like, all right, we got the DVD player, we got the nice TV. It's time for me to watch Die Hard, and I watched all of it, was amazed, and then watched the second one and Die Hard with a Vengeance like right after. And it's the silver box. With yep. the, that's exactly what I have too. That is yep. currently not in my possession because I loaned it to somebody who forgot they had it, and they're sitting across from me right now. Mm. I can't. That's a fact. <laughs> I don't remember anything I borrow from anyone or things I own. You could probably rob me, and I wouldn't even notice. I have. <laughs> there you go. Jeff, when was the first time you saw this movie? No idea, Jay. <laughs> um, I, I, yeah, honestly, I don't not remember. It, it, it seems like it's it's one of those things that I don't ever it re, I don't ever remember it not being in my life. Kind of like how kids these days, cell phones and computers, like mm-hmm. they'll never understand what that's like. I, I probably saw it one of the random times you threw it in the, VG, the VHS player, and I just sat down and watched it with you. It's called a VCR. Uh, yes, it sorry, is. V, VCR. Um, <laughs> but I damn millennials. <laughs> I uh, I watch it pretty much every year with you during Christmas time. We tr- at least try to make it a, a little a little tradition, not anything. We, we haven't lately, to, but we haven't the past couple it. years. I watched I've it watched it. I borrowed it last year <laughs> and watched it, and that's why I still currently have the DVDs. I think in my house. No, you borrowed it because uh, you wanted to show Alice in the movie. No, that was the year before. Okay, this God, is you've great. You've had it for a long time. Though. Let's let's bring this up. <laughs> oh yeah, crack that cold. Die hard, baby. Yippee! <laughs> <laughs> Drinking <laughs> beers. Die hard. He's got the blue ribbon beer in his hand. <laughs> they don't just hand this ribbon out. You no, have to earn it, okay? It's the only award-winning beer there is. <laughs> Jesus. All right. Uh, we got to pull this out. Whoa. Is this... Whoa. Uh, no, no. Well, <laughs> choice of words there, Nick. I warned you, LPJ. I warned you. Is this a Christmas movie? Yes. No. Did I? Okay, we need to get this out of the way right now. We do. That's why I brought it up. I'm kind of a jerk. Yes. Because 
every year I see all these morons typing up their little Die Hard's the greatest Christmas movie ever posts on Facebook, it made me not only resentful of the fact that this movie exists, but it made me hate Die Hard fans. It comes up every year, and I was like really resistant to even wanting to watch this movie. You guys had to ask me twice if I would do this episode, because I have a predisposition to find Die Hard fans super annoying. You're not wrong. You are not wrong. And this is recent. I used to put this movie up at Entertainment Tonight in the early, and by early 2000s, I mean like 2001 in the Christmas section, before anybody else was calling it a Christmas movie. Oh, you're tr- oh, oh, yeah. It's a considered a Christmas movie because LPJ no, 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 no. at a oh, random entertainment not- tonight in Michigan that decided not- to put it no. in the holiday section. That is not what that I'm saying. That is exactly what you're saying. Allow me to tell you what I'm saying. No, okay. what I'm saying is this didn't become a huge popular like fanboy thing to say until I would say that the past five years. It's recent that it's become this huge, big controversial I, I, issue. I agree with that. It was before it was just like, yeah, Die Hard's a Christmas movie, let's put it in the Christmas rack. But it wasn't one of those things that people hotly debated. Now, now, okay, here here's my issue with that. Well, Chops doesn't vote. Chops, is this a Christmas movie? So I'm impartial because we always watch it during the Christmas. See, time. we've always so, viewed this as a Christmas. So ever, I've, I've only ever viewed it as a Christmas because because what happens is when you grow up in a house with a, a sister and a mom and other family members that are primarily female, they want to watch stupid lovey Hallmark movie type things or I can only watch The Grinch so many times before I'm sick of it. You got something against White Christmas? Uh, actually, oh, that we, movie's awful. We never, I hate White We never Christmas. really grew up watching White Christmas or, seen it. or Miracle on 34th Street. We never really watched those things. You're not missing well, our, much. Ours is a family of primarily action movies, sci-fi movies, uh, dramas, yeah. and this was one of those movies that if we wanted to all sit down and watch something, my dad usually had the remote. He'd put on Die Hard or an action movie, and it just happened to be on during the Christmas time. Yeah, we've always watched this during Christmas. I've, we've always thought this is a Christmas movie. Now, yeah. why is it a Christmas movie to you? Uh, because well, because it takes place takes during place. Christmas. Yeah. See, that doesn't do it. That's not enough criteria to make it a Christmas movie in my book. Agreed. Um, there is okay. the Santa in there. There's some Christmas music. So what? Um, There's tons of movies that have Christmas references in their film, and that doesn't mean it's a Christmas. Catch Me If You Can is a great example. I've never seen it. It's a fantastic movie. I can't believe I've never seen it. Like, they reference Christmas and the holiday season several times, even play Christmas songs. But that is not a Christmas movie at all. Right, and I can't, I'll be honest, I can't give you a good reason why I think it's a Christmas movie, but just to me, because I watched it during that season, that's why I consider it one. Which is fine. I think for me, the biggest thing is that it was released not to be a holiday movie and like that's what gets me more than anything else the movie was a summer blockbuster okay it came out in july the whole point of it was to to be for that summertime audience if you're trying to do a christmas movie you're gonna release it during the holiday season which was not the case here at all because I, I strongly believe that Christmas needs to be a pri- the primary theme of a movie to yes. make it a Christmas movie, not necessarily taking place in the backdrop of, you know, late December. You know, coincidentally, I understand it is used as a part of the story is that's the reason that, you know, John's in town visiting his estranged wife is because it's Christmas Eve. Well, and it's a Christmas party, so that's why the yeah. executive is there with everybody and there's not much security but the movie's not actually about christmas now i and and i have to follow this criteria with other aspects of my life the movie i watch traditionally and my family watches every year and if you pulled 
a hundred people, 99 out of a hundred are going to tell you it's a Christmas movie. And I, this is my top, in my top, top, top five favorite movies of all time. It's a wonderful life is not actually a Christmas movie. It's not, it takes place over Christmas, but it's not a movie about Christmas. What happened is NBC got the rights to this movie and just decided we're going to show it every Christmas. And we're going to just show the hell out of this movie because it cost us nothing to do. And they sort of shoehorned it into being a Christmas movie, but it's not actually about Christmas. It's about a guy who hates his life and tries to kill himself. But that is a good reference because that's how I feel that Chops feels with Die Hard. Because even exactly. though even though I don't think it's a one for life as a Christmas movie, I still watch it every holiday yeah. too. But and, and it's only like the last twenty minutes is really during Christmas Eve. Yeah. But so, you associate it with Christmas. There is that association. And, and we associate this movie with like mm. I watched it I watched it today. Um and it got me in the mood for Christmas. Like mm-hmm. I immediately wanted to light up a a wreath smelling candle. See, I don't feel or, that way. Or or like I wish it was like super cozy in the house and there was snow outside. Yeah. Like uh Well, I yeah. never wish there was snow outside, so I That's cuz you're an old man, you'd fall. But anyways, <laughs> okay. <laughs> Gravity affects everyone, chops. Oh, I know. So I mean, we are pretty I, so I mean, much. we are we are we are split on this. Dead yeah. I and I say no, LPJ and Chops say yes. I think we're going to have to bring it out to to the social media and have them decide. We'll have to do a poll. Yep. And I agree. And I will is. say this though, collectively he he and I our opinions are slightly biased because we grew up in the same house. So, oh yeah, like like, I, like so it's not exactly. To be honest, I wouldn't oh, even wait, say your brothers. I didn't know <laughs> that. <laughs> um, but I what mean, I'm like, saying I, is, I completely it's not exactly split. I completely understand why it would not be considered a Christmas movie. Sure. It's not marketed yeah. as Christmas movie. All right, this film, um, it is 30 years old this year, which is happy birthday, exciting. Yeah, happy it birthday, is, Die and Hard. I, and I didn't see anything about like a, th- a 30th special edition release or anything of it, which I'm surprised at. They did a big 25th, but maybe they're going to do it for the holiday season. Oh, they might. They, I wouldn't be surprised at I all. I wouldn't be surprised at all, actually. The film is directed by John McTiernan, who is an individual that we brought up uh, in the past, which probably was a movie that he wouldn't want us to bring up him first, and that was Last Action Hero, mm-hmm. obviously what our show is based off of. But just in case, I mean, McTiernan is, is the one of the absolute leaders of action movies and the genre um, that comes from it after this movie of Die Hard. Um, I mean, this movie really does set up a recipe for a lot of movies into the 90s and the 2000s for how action movies are going to be done. Yeah, and it really shifted the focus of how the main character was portrayed. Pre-Die Hard, they were all... The the the, the um, protagonists were generally kind of superhuman. They could really do anything. A lot of the, the early Schwarzenegger films, he... You know, it was impossible to kill him. He very rarely got hurt. He could do anything he wanted. This really grounded um, the action hero in a level of realism that really hadn't been seen before. Yeah, the average Joe. Exactly. McTiernan was 37 when he directed this, which I find is pretty impressive there. So, uh, It is written by Jeb Stewart. And uh, Stephen Ada Souza. Stephen Ada Souza. It was primarily written by Jeb. Uh, the, the basic plot. Uh, was there and Steven D'Souza was brought in to add a lot of the comedy elements to it well and it was I didn't know this until I did some research on the film it's actually based on um, a book it is Nothing Lasts Forever which was by Redrick Thorpe um, it's a series of books it is and the first book of his is called The Detective mm-hmm. which actually became a movie in 1968 that starred Frank Sinatra that's right and so um, when and it was his production company that owned it. Yes, and so when it came time to do Die Hard, 
they legally were obligated to ask Frank Sinatra to be <laughs> the main character. <laughs> and he's I, I 72 that. years old. I want that power. Did well, I? How do we make this happen? <laughs> To, to to have to someone have to ask someone us? has to legally like just to, uh, I just think to have that title of I, legally ask us to do something. I, I think we have to be Frank Sinatra. I don't think there's there's many people that would ever be able to wield that sort of power. I don't want to be Frank Sinatra. I wouldn't mind it, but uh, <laughs> but I, I I know I couldn't carry that weight. Clearly, he said no. <laughs> I mean, you don't know that. Maybe he said yes, and they figured out ways to get him to say no. No, I, I they, he did say no. He's like, I'm, he literally basically said, I'm too old for this shit. Okay. It's yeah. basically what his response was. Yeah. The original script in the novel uh, had the the scene of this, this terrorist activity done over a three-day period. McTiernan did change it up to make it one day. Um, he claims that he borrowed that off of the Shakespearean play, Midsummer Night's Dream. Um in the book as well, he's visiting his daughter, not visiting his wife. And actually, the daughter dies in the book. Um, and then he is permanently crippled. Um, oh, so, geez. yeah. So, it's a sequel to that movie. Yeah. <laughs> I want to see this movie. The Wheelchair Rebel. Oh, gosh. <laughs> yeah, so good thing that didn't quite happen. And then there was also rumors, which LPJ, I think you can say a little more on this, because um, we were talking about it before we, we got on. Is this was also thought of to be a sequel to Schwarzenegger's Commando, but yeah. that was kind of debuted or yeah, I'm gonna let you. Yeah, talk. what ended up happening was, um, so Commando would come out, and uh, they wanted to immediately do a sequel, <laughs> and the sequel was going to be written. Uh, <laughs> we're talking about debuted. Debuted. I don't know what the hell. It was debuted. <laughs> I was wondering. Wait, since something's untrue now, I'm just gonna say, "Well, that's well, that was that's been debuted." <laughs> Sorry, I'll be Jake. Keep going. Yes, <laughs> the worst. <laughs> I told you. Uh, so yeah, so this was initially going to be a sequel to Commando, um, but uh, instead of so Schwarzenegger actually ended up turning it down. He, he ended up going to make something else, and um, so the original script that they had sat on the shelf for for a while. And I'll get back to that in a second. So then they came in and, and reworked the script and made it more um, more of an everyman character is what is what eventually John McClane turned into uh, and it didn't make also didn't make sense at that point for Schwarzenegger to do it because he was kind of larger than life. Interestingly, though, uh, the actual script that they had for Commando Two, the plot was he was going to be hired as a security consultant to make this new building completely impregnable and then mm. he was going to find <laughs> out like another movie i know about <laughs> hold on and then he was going to find out that the guys that he had hired actually were working for an arms dealer <laughs> and he then had to break into the building that he just secured uh to rescue his daughter and his and his girlfriend uh which sounds oddly enough like the plot to skyscraper <laughs> Oddly enough, indeed. Yeah, so it sounds like they stole the the script for Commando Two and turned it into Skyscraper. Does that mean we're going to get a reboot with The Rock as in Commando? Oh. I wouldn't be surprised, man. Wouldn't that be cool? Give me The Rock and everything. Yeah, yeah. All right, <laughs> yourself included. <laughs> yes, please. Oh. And how? Dwayne Johnson. Oh man. Okay. Um, <laughs> let's talk a little bit about Bruce Willis. Because this is really his first major movie role. 
No, he's got. Is it, well, oh no, that's no this that. is his first. That was movie, that right? was the TV. I was thinking of the TV show Moonlighting. Well, that <laughs> well was, and, and that's that's, that's what he was known as. No, yeah, he was known as a TV actor and a comedy. Yes, what was Moonlighting? So Fox was was really skeptical with Bruce Willis uh, in order to to be this role because of how people had associated with him up to this point. And what I don't get with the weird mixture of that. So if Fox was concerned about Willis. Why did they still pay him an astronomical amount of money? Do you know how much they paid him to do this movie? Five million dollars. Five million dollars in 1988, which, which is, is like only the top five people in Hollywood would get paid something like that to do a movie. So I don't really... Do, do you know anything more about that? Like, I couldn't find any information about why they felt like they had to give him all this money. Everyone got... It, everyone turned it down. That's true. That I was mean, a lot of it. it is he, was, he ended up being their last choice. Yeah, the list of people that turned this role down, we talked about Schwarzenegger, we got Sylvester Stallone, Harrison Ford, Don Johnson, Richard Gere, Clint Eastwood, Burt Reynolds, Robert De Niro, Charles Bronson, Al Pacino, Nick Nolte. I want to see every <laughs> version of that movie with them in it. I know Dead Eye does too. Man, the... <laughs> the Al, especially the Al Pacino one. <laughs> that would be great. <laughs> I, I was thinking De Niro. He just like look at himself in the mirror yeah. the whole time. You staring at me? <laughs> Stare. Hans, you staring at me? I want the Don Johnson one the most. <laughs> <laughs> Lieutenant Falcon. Taking <laughs> oh God, that'd be the worst. Oh man. So yeah, I mean this this is what makes Bruce Willis a Hollywood star without a doubt. Is is this film? Is it, so? Is his kind of breakout with this movie? Like, I don't know why I equate it to this actor, but it kind of seems the same like Michael Keaton. You know, he was primarily a comedic actor, Mm -hmm. right? And then he had a breakout role with Batman and then started to do a lot more things like that. Is it that there was a, I don't know, not as many serious or action-filled actors at the time to where they had more strong male comedian actors? Or, you know, because I do see some correlations between them right right there. Well, I I feel like personally, Die Hard is one of the first movies to also really try to incorporate comedy with with what's going on in the film. Okay. I feel like action movies prior to Die Hard are very action movie ish, and that's why like those actors that I mentioned, like Stallone and Don Johnson and, and Clint Eastwood, like they don't do funny movies. I mean, Burt Reynolds, I guess, does. No, but and, yeah, and not only that, they're also their characters are are generally very larger than life. I mean, mm-hmm. if you look at Schwartz. I mean, Schwarzenegger is kind of the the most exaggerated version of it. But even characters like Clint Eastwood. Clint Eastwood has a very, very specific uh, character that he portrays, and it's usually, you know, a little more over the top um, than than the average Joe, which is what they were looking for. And a lot of the action movies after this turned into that whole, you know, gritty, realistic average person in a in an extraordinary situation and there weren't a lot of actors that could pull it off as well yeah comedy is often used as a vehicle of relatability you know like uh because sense of humor is something where you find a common ground you find commonality between you find something funny i find something funny so it it takes us 
special actor in a lot of ways to be able to have timing. You know, comedic timing is not necessarily something you can learn. You kind of have to have it. So that's where you see, you know, like a Bruce Willis, like that's why he worked really well in this role is he had to have the timing to deliver the lines to make him that relatable character. And I think a lot of those other actors that were on the list would have fallen short in that way. And he, and he could play vulnerable. I mean, that was the other thing in this. He you didn't know if he was going to make it out alive it, 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 at the time. When this movie came out, you had no idea what would happen. If if Schwarzenegger or Stallone or you know Jean-Claude Van Damme were in this role, it'd be like, yeah, bullets p- could p- bounce off of them. You, and you would believe it. But a bullet hitting Bruce Willis and injuring him, you believe that a lot more than, than Schwarzenegger being in this movie. Mm-hmm. A perfect example uh, for Deadite 2 that I think of is when he's trying to get the police to realize hey there's a hostage situation going on and they're like and they're like not believing him and he's like no fucking shit lady does it sound like I'm trying to order a pizza here (laughs) you know like that that is so perfectly stated and you're right like those other actors would not be able to be able to deliver that punchline that way well not only that the characterization the 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 actual first quarter of this movie he's trying to get out of the situation by calling the police he's not trying to take him on by himself He's really trying to do the smart thing and get back up, whereas, you know, a, a larger, more over-the-top character wouldn't do that. They yeah, would go Stallone's, headlong. Yeah, Stallone's going on the 30th floor, and he's going to start fucking throwing grenades and shooting people. Yeah. So, yeah, for sure. Uh, Alan Rickman is, is Hans Gruber, which I think is one of the most famous villains of all time. And this is his major motion picture debut. It sure is. Um, they um, both... Uh, Joel Silver, who's one of the producers, and McTiernan saw him in a play in L.A., and he played the villain, and they immediately said, we need him. Like, absolutely. Like, he had done a bunch of, um, I want to say German movies, but I don't think he's actually German. He's no, British. He's, he's, he's British. English. Yeah, I was confusing because he's German in the, he's trying to play a German in the film. Um, and actually, uh, Rickman didn't know if he wanted to take on the role because he was being told he was going to be the villain and he was concerned that like everyone is going to think of me as being a villain and that is exactly how his career unfolded his <laughs> glorious career Alan so Rickman's awesome right he was great mm-hmm. so until uh, his redemption in dogma <laughs> <laughs> he was still kind of a villain yeah. he, was, yeah, he, was. Yeah, he was he was an anti-hero um the only other person i knew of sam neil turned the role down which I feel like that would have been that would have been weird. Have been weird. Real weird. Yeah. Doctor Grant from uh, Jurassic Park there. So um, Rickman though was not. I don't know. He did not do a great job on the set when it came to a lot of the action scenes. So what I mean by that is he was super terrified of guns, and every time a gun would go off, he would flinch and like freak out. So in the film, he's always off camera when he is shooting. And the one exception is when he takes out um, Ellis. And you can actually see it in the movie. He does like a super flinch when he shoots Ellis. Like he just could not handle the sound of the guns going off at all. I don't blame them. They're loud. They are loud. And they're using they're using <laughs> real really, weapons. You know? That was really insightful commentary yeah. by Jeff. Uh, this just in breaking news here. You can only hear this scoop on the last action podcast. Uh, guns are loud. Yes. Thank you, Jeff. They make your ears ring. <laughs> Another awesome thing, though, is, is I was going to say Gruber. Rickman does a lot of his own stunts. 
So when he falls from Nakatomi Tower, he really falls from the tower. No, I'm just oh, kidding. You, <laughs> it's not the actual tower. <laughs> no, but you could tell, like, well, how but he does fall. He looks. Well, not oh, only yeah. that, the uh, the original fall was going to be um, about fifty feet, and they told him when they were going to drop him, and then dropped him early mm-hmm. so they could actually get a terrified look on his face. Yeah. So when you're that shot that they have of yeah. him. That's him actually being terrified because he didn't know he was going to be dropped. Oh, wow. And when he's falling and you see like his arms flailing and all that, that is him. That is not a stunt. That That's not a stunt guy. Like That is That's Rickman probably why that falling. scene is so visceral like and real. It's just you yeah. actually have genuine terror. Like, am I going to die? Mm-hmm. Yeah. He was not happy about it either. Uh, I mean, I, I feel like that, as terrible as it sounds, is you're going to get your best reactions out of those kind of moments making your actor unprepared. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, Bonnie Bedelin? Bedelia. Bedelia. Wow, that was not even I couldn't, close. I couldn't read my There's handwriting. There's no N in that. Bedelia. I couldn't read my handwriting. Calm the hell down. She's Holly Gennaro McLean. I, I don't know of her in any other movie than being in the die, the first two Die Hards because mm, she's not in the others. She has been. I don't know has of she? any. I, I know she has. She has a she's relatively been good in, career. Uh, presumed uh, Innocent? Is that a question? <laughs> of a crime? Yeah. It's called Presumed Innocent. Okay. Um, okay. She's also in Heart Like a Wheel in 1983. Oh. How about after Shirley Muldoney is determined to be a top Don't, no, stop drag Rina, racer. Stop, stop. Why does she have her top almost off at the end of this movie? I think that was the scene that got cut. You mean like where it happens? Gruber was probably like ripping at her, and then like her just boobs fell out. I don't know because it just seemed really weird. Gruber I'm the Groper. I'm surprised you noticed that. I didn't. I've never thought. Never noticed that. Yeah, I, I noticed it. Yeah. Oh, I've noticed it every time. And actually, <laughs> How could you not? I mean, oh. <laughs> well, I was watching it with my wife, and even she was like, "Why are her tits out?" I'm like, "I, I don't know." So. He's like, "I don't know. Let's try something. See how it works." <laughs> You're awful. God, I hate you. You brought it up. I did bring it up. I didn't have to go that far. All right. Reginald Vell Johnson is Al Powell, which, I mean, he's our our cop hero in Family Matters as well. He's Carlo Winslow. Carl Winslow. Carl Winslow. I said Carlo. You said didn't Carlo. Know. Carlo. <laughs> See, Carlo de Winslow. <laughs> that's the family. This is Spanish. This is Spanish family matters. <laughs> Carlo Winslow. Donde esta? How do you say? Oh, did I do that? Ah, la familia matters. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's okay. You're an idiot. Damn it. I hate you all. This is all because of you. Let's keep going down the list. There's some better I, I, all, I know. All I wanted to say about him is that for forever, people would throw Twinkies at him. Oh, my God. In really? real life. That's so, that's so sad. He, he said every time you would go out, people would just throw Twinkies at him. Why is that terrible? Uh, that's awesome. If I if I if I walked out in the streets and people do, threw delicious <laughs> snack cakes at me, my life would be amplified. Did I, it would be like if people saw you on the street and threw you a Dr Pepper. You know what? Free pops, free pop. My vendetta or I, a two K. What WWE two K eighteen? We're not talking about that. Let's stick with the Dr Pepper example. <laughs> Dr. Pepper and I are square. There's no longer a vendetta. So if anyone's listening to this podcast, you see me on the street, throw food my way. Preferably packaged and preferably not frozen. Uh, he likes he is, cheese steaks. He is dead, too. So Richelville Johnson? Yeah. Uh, no, he's not. He is too dead. Uh, he seems like he'd be dead. Is that, <laughs> I mean, I know. Uh, uh, I'm pretty sure. Let's hope, he, let's hope you're not getting him twisted with Uncle Phil, mm. a.k.a. Shredder. <laughs> 
I might be. He actually. was, he was just in I'm a commercial. Sure. He's dead. What? Well, he was not in a commercial. Yeah, it was a TGIF reboot commercial. TGIF's. When was the reboot? Two thousand one. TGIF's going back. <laughs> <laughs> Continuing on. Is, well, is he alive? This up. Is he really? Yes, he is not dead. Oh. <laughs> well, oh, why did you sound sad when we well, found out Carl Winslow is still alive? Jeez, Jaleel gonna, White's still alive. We can have a we can have a Family Matters reunion. I'm going to take over for the actors now. Sounds like a guy. horrible idea. Go ahead, Chops. Um, so I I'm a huge fan of Paul Gleason and William Atherton. Agreed. Uh, yeah, they are both great actors. And Paul Gleason is in Breakfast Club. He's the principal. Yep. And he's just in uh, what was the movie we just did? LPJ. Literally the movie we just did. Yeah. Loaded Weapon. He's uh-huh. in that. And then William Atherton is in Ghostbusters. <laughs> yeah. It's true. This man and has he's basically no playing the same character. <laughs> same I'm not, not going to lie. If it didn't come up, that was going to be my pop quiz. Oh. Because like as soon as I saw him, I was like, that man has no dick. <laughs> <laughs> uh, because I'm, I'm just, the, I'm a huge Ghostbusters nerd. It's top, it's top five movies of all time for me. Oh, yeah. Uh, so I saw him and I was just like, it's Walter Peck. Like I just nerded out. Any Anytime, just like for The Crow, uh, one uh, <laughs> When we had, um, why am I blanking on his name? It's because I've been drinking. Winston, Ernie Hudson. <laughs> Ernie, Hudson. Ernie Hudson was in the crawl. I was like, yes, Ernie Hudson's in the crawl. Yep. You put Ghostbuster actors in any other movie, and it does bump it up at least a quarter machine gun. So that'll come in later. Okay, okay. Oh, boy. <laughs> and there's two Ghostbusters actors in this movie. Who's the other one? <laughs> Carl Winslow. He played a cop. Yeah. Oh, you're right. He's, he's just yeah. really in there real quick. Yeah, and yeah. when they're in jail, he's in there. Good call. Good call. The last one I had was, um, man, Hart Butcher, right? He's Harry Ellis. So, yeah. He didn't really, I don't know him from anything else. I don't know from, like, the only other actor that I recognize is Al Leong. Yeah, Al Leong. in a ton mm. We of talked about him movies. a bunch of times. He's yeah, in, the, he's kind of in almost any action movie of the 80s. Yeah, he really is. He looks yeah. like Genghis Khan. So. Well, it seems insensitive. No, but he, he played yeah. Genghis Khan. He did? What movie? Um, yeah, Chas, why do you just have to assume that it was insensitive? Because it's this guy's podcast. <laughs> like, they're generally insensitive. All right, I'm moving us on. I got a pop quiz for us here. Pop quiz, hot shot. What building is Nagatomi Plaza? Oh, I actually know this one. Should I leave it for them? We'll give them a chance. Okay. Ah, I know this one. Do you? I did a little research. Nice. It, it is uh, actually the Taco Bell headquarters in Irvine, <laughs> in Irvine, California. No, that is that is incorrect. That's wrong. No, it's not right. Well, I took my I fired my shops. <laughs> um, I I don't remember what it is. LPJ. It's the Fox Studios headquarters. It sure is. In Century City, oh, California. Okay. I was pretty close by. It's in California, and it's something's headquarters. <laughs> and they smell the same. <laughs> Fox and Taco Bell. <laughs> right. The building was not really finished yet. Um, so all of those scenes where you see construction throughout the film and all that, that is totally true. Um, at the same time, the helicopter scene and all that was done. Um, they're on site. It took, there was six months of negotiation trying to convince Fox that, hey, we want to do this scene for real, like, yeah, at the building. Actually, all of the explosions you see of the buildings were done in actual buildings. None of it's model work. Oh, wow. Which is insane when you think of the size of those explosions, right? And then when the SWAT car is going over the ramps and all that, that was also all totally there. Fox told them, you're going to have to just pay for what you destroy type of deal. Um, it's legit. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. So I thought that was pretty neat. Um. 
as we start to kind of, I think we're going to kind of do more, maybe kind of sharing like favorite moments and things that we kind of observe throughout the film. I don't know how much we need to go through the plot of this movie necessarily. Um, you know, something that I quickly have is just from the beginning of this film, you you do see a little bit of age in the film. So so four, five things that I immediately caught within the first five minutes of this movie. Number one, uh, McLean's got a gun on the plane. Yeah, that was pretty cool. <laughs> Which is like, it doesn't matter if you're an officer or not. <laughs> yeah. There's no way in hell that's happening today. Number two, he's smoking like crazy at the airport. No way in hell that's happening. Number three, we got Argyle playing on his tape deck, some Run DMC. My man, Argyle. I liked Argyle. <laughs> oh, is, a, it, is that why you're wearing name. your Adidas tracksuit right now? That was from the last episode. Now you're letting everyone know that we're recording this at the same time. I think they figured it out. You're a horrible person. We got the car phone, man, not the, the cell phone. The illusion is dead. The oh, car no. phone. Broke the fourth wall. Man, kayfabe is dead. Oh, no. <laughs> we got kayfabe. And then we got Holly's hair. Like, how is her hairdo not 1980s, without a doubt? You got the... It is. You know, we're not saying bond. it's not. Joe. Okay, jeez. I know. I just love it. <laughs> you weirdo. And I love the 80s. So I think that's what makes me love this movie so much more. So... What do you want? We want to go around in a circle, or we want to go? Uh, it's total sure. Chopwise. What is something about this film? Okay, I'll start from the beginning. Particular part. Um, I. Everybody's relatable in this in this whole movie. One of my favorite scenes is how quickly. <laughs> wait, wait. So you're saying you can relate to a German Listen. international terrorist? You're like Hans Gruber. I can relate to the guy. I'll, I'll try to get his bonds. I hey, see you, Hans. Hey, he hey, no one said he's said a terrorist. They, no one ever said they were terrorists. That's true. That was something to force on them. I get that all the time. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Whoa. People think I'm a terrorist. He's not wrong. Spicy. He's not wrong. Yeah. Hey yeah, man. Spicy. That's why I can relate. Anyways. Um, Straight up, the the way that they infiltrate the building is just real smooth and slick. They they just seem like real professionals. And how the guy like <laughs> immediately covers himself uh, as he's into the football game, making sure like saying that he's got oh I've got whatever five bucks on these guys or whatever. Like I just think there's a lot of su- nice subtle moments in the beginning of the movie that really set up these people as they know what they're doing and something sh- some shit's gonna go down. I'm happy you bring that up because I wrote that down too. I find this, the reason why I love this movie so much is it is a smart action movie. Yeah. Like there is so much going on and Hans continues to have his plans foiled, but he's he keeps having backup plans. Mm-hmm. And then when you see McClane keep fucking it up, like you, you start to see that anger build up with his men, and I love his calm demeanor though throughout it too. But it's just it's a smart movie, you know. Like what is going on is smart, and this is kind of creepy too. But I remember when nine eleven happened that John McTiernan was actually talked to by the government about like what might the strategy, like what were they thinking, because they they literally referenced Die Hard. As like maybe this guy can literally offer us some information about what happened with 9/11. Isn't that bizarre? It's well, crazy. Here's the crazy part: I know, is I don't know about the Bush administration. <laughs> well, <on> that <laughs> well you know, that. I saw that die hard. <laughs> Let's get that guy in here. <laughs> get, get me John McClain. Like John McClain is not real, President Bush. Get me, get me, get me McClain. <laughs> okay, here's what we'll do. Here's what we'll do. We will get you Agent Johnson and Johnson. <laughs> no, also not real. We can get you the. Guy guy that created them 
You created like their parents? <laughs> Can you get me John McClain Senior? Okay, no. Think of it as like as like like his uh, his teacher. It's his te- it's his professor. Uh, John McClain's professor. Oh, his sensei of sorts. <laughs> yes, it is his sensei. We can, we've got that guy. I don't know what he's gonna be able to tell you, but we got. And, I didn't know and you a, had. And a, if he won't work, we'll go with Carlo Winslow. I didn't know you had. <laughs> a, well, Carlo Winslow. Oh God! What were you gonna say, LPG? So uh, the crazy thing is, you you mentioned this is a this is smart. Yeah. Most of the movie was improvised, yeah. and they didn't even have an ending written Mm-mm. until almost until they were ready to shoot it. What do you mean by improvised? Like, like I mean, like there wasn't dialogue or plot written, or the dialogue or kept getting changed. Uh, the plot points kept getting changed. The part where they escape. Uh, I was listening to a podcast with the writer on it, Stephen D'Souza, and he was explaining how they had when they went to go film this movie, they had no idea how Hans planned to get out of the building. They didn't even they hadn't even written that part yet. So the whole thing with them getting into the ambulance at the end was an afterthought. They had already um, shot the opening where they come in out of the truck. So if you look in the back of the truck, there's no ambulance back there. And that truck that they have is smaller than the truck they use at the end to pull the ambulance out of. It wouldn't even have fit the ambulance. Yeah. And the reason why they cut, why they ended up... Uh, so you know how, how John figures out that Hans is Hans when he sees the... Not Clay. Not Clay, not Bill not Willie, Clay, not Bill Clay. Yep. Yeah. Wait. Wait a second. Can Can you guys? Cl- I was watching that scene today. Yeah. What exactly clued him in? Yes. Uh, that's this that's, is what I'm okay. Because I was I like okay. When we get, I'm glad we're talking sure. about the scene because that yeah. was one. That was a okay. scene that really stuck out to me. That I like all of a sudden I was like, this is a really cool scene. Mm-hmm. Okay. So here's I how it works. I love the scene too. Here's how it works. So it, it's the watch is what is supposed to have tipped him off. Okay. However. At the very beginning of the movie, when the uh, when they're walking out of the out of the the when the bad guys are walking out of the truck to come into the building, there's another scene where they stop, hold their watches out, and they all synchronize their watches, and you can see they're all wearing the exact same watch. Mm. So as John McClane is killing these guys, he notices that they're all wearing the same watch, right? And he and then he sees Hans Gruber wear the watch. They had to cut all of that stuff out because. In the scene where they're synchronizing their watches, you can see into the truck and see that there's no ambulance in there. Because oh. they shot that before they wrote the ambulance scene, so they couldn't use it. So then they had to cut that whole watch thing out. And you're just kind of left to assume that so that so when they when they um when uh Carl's brother gets uh rolled down the stairs and dies and John picks up his watch and looks at it, they hold it on an extra beat to sort of hope, hopefully clue you in that he's noticing the watch. Okay, because I was trying to figure that out. I was just like, like how did like how did he figure that out? Because like, oh, when, when Gruber had the name of someone that worked there and he's referencing the director, I was like, man, Gruber, you're smooth, you mm-hmm. know? Can I ask this too, though? Did you find Rickman's accent believable? You can't ask that. Why? Because you just asked me if you could ask that. Got you there. You're a jackass. Next segment. Let me throw that out there. No, because I was like, I was okay. Well, okay. And they said in and they said um, when because again this entire scene was was made up on the spot. They said that they thought it was so believable that that's why they included it in there. And I've watched this movie so many times, and every time I'm like, I don't 
I don't believe this let, at all. Let's, throw, let's set up a little bit of context. Let, let's just assume that maybe a couple people are going to listen that are like me and haven't watched the movie or haven't watched it in a long time. What happens is Hans Gruber run, you know, sort of stumbles into John McClane, you know, as they're both traveling throughout the building, and then you know th- this is when Hans is all of a sudden, you know, like, oh, I, I'm going to try to drop my German accent, and speak like an American, to because clearly he knows they've only spoken over a walkie-talkie prior so they've never had visual contact but as soon as Hans sees John he knows this is the guy that's messing all my stuff up let me try and play like I'm an escaped hostage and and see if I can you know get an upper hand and that's what that's what Sphinx was talking about is that Hans goes from you know this sort of I would call a light German accent throughout Mm -hmm. the movie um, into like trying to talk like an American and I, I agree with you I don't think it, it came across like the guy talks weird but here's what I told myself and this I, I will say this is from personal experience um, I work at an international company not everyone is necessarily good at English or speaks with an with a proper accent so yeah the the yeah. Yematomi or what? What's it called? Or Yima Yakatomi, Yakatomi building. Uh, <laughs> Who's? I'm Paul. I'm Paul Sphinx. I can't pronounce it. But it doesn't yeah, matter. Um, it's an international company. There's gonna be some people that are gonna have accents. Or so as long as it was enough to cover the German accent, you know, from there, McLean can just assume he's probably an international employee that works there at the company. So that 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 was sort of my rationale during that scene, but that was maybe my favorite scene of the movie just because I love I love the way that kind of played out. Well, it, yeah, it's got the, that suspense in there, right? Yeah. Like well, the, you're the like, villain and the hero meet, yeah. but only one of them knows who the other is. Yeah. So anything can happen at that point. And and when he gives them the gun, like that's awesome too cuz you're like, "Oh shit." Like you just gave the villain a gun that that he's gonna turn on you and so you're just wondering like when that's gonna well, happen because yeah, the stakes are set right when Hans kills um the uh, Mr. Nak is it not not Nakatomi yeah, but, uh, yeah no it's not his name no, not, I always thought uh, it was I didn't write it down yeah he's got um, a different name like you know the stakes are real because he doesn't hesitate after he counts he oh, just Takagi Takagi yeah Takagi. he just yeah. immediately kills him right afterwards yep and so that so like anything any interaction with him you think is is going to be fatal hence like Ellis like yeah. that was another one like oh, Ellis it was just he was all business he was there to do what he needed to do and that's probably why that scene felt so real and so stressful I'm so happy Ellis died <laughs> so mine <laughs> that dude was awful he is Hans, such a dude booby I'm, I'm your, your white, white knight. knight. So that's another scene that was improvised. Yeah. And if you look at Hunt at uh, Ellen Rickman's reaction, that's him actually actually kind of questioning, like, <laughs> what the hell did this guy just say? Yeah. 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 And it's it's also like it's that awesome suspense because you know John's trying to you know trying to convince Hans like I don't know this guy I just met him at the party you gotta believe me and then you know Ellis is like come on John you know we've been friends forever John yeah. and then boom. Yep. Capped. I like how he's doing blow several times, too. <laughs> he's such a... Yeah. Like the whole movie. Uh, such Listen, a grease ball. When it's the 80s, he probably was yeah. legit doing that blow. When you're out brokering multi-million dollar <laughs> deals, you're going to have to do some blow to get by. Fair enough. I mean, he said he closes deals all the time, and, and he, this was a negotiation that he had to close. And yeah. he bought uh, Shirley MacLaine a Rolex. Yeah, which doesn't make any sense. Shirley it's Holly, McClane. though. <laughs> sure. It's Holly, not Holly, Sally. 
I don't know why I said Shirley. Yeah, everyone buys that. their coworkers uh, Rolexes. <laughs> Man, you I and wish. I work together. I expect a nice Christmas gift. <laughs> oh, cool! I'll get you a broken one. Hey, so, a broken Rolex. <laughs> I'll take it. I take a broken Timex. So we've had chops and deadite share a little bit of parts that they love about this movie. LPJ, what do you got? I mean, I love just all I of know, this. Movie. You say that all the time, but you got to do though. Gotta, I mean, there's there's bring it down to something. Um. I mean, the whole subplot with Carl wanting to kill John is great. The fight between Carl and John. Um, I, I do enjoy how uh, how clueless the police chief is and how <laughs> completely clueless basically all the police are except for Reginald Vell Johnson. Yeah. That part cracks me up. No, nah, man. He just let him die. He just let him, he just it, let him die there. It, it just seems insane. Like, there's no way in real life that the cops would just go in on that place, right? Like, there's, there's no, no they absolutely way. Whoa, would, whoa. I don't you think. You would do that. I, I have seen straight out of Compton. I have seen examples <laughs> from the era of great deals of hubris from the LAPD. Um, We have seen, or my brother has, uh, a raid happen next door to our childhood home. <laughs> We in have. the middle of the night. <laughs> so Hubris. Hubris from police departments. It doesn't matter if it's, it's Livonia or Los Angeles. <laughs> it was pretty awesome. I mean, like, I, I know, I think LPJ is a huge fan of all the humor in the movie. Cons- sure. Like, especially the humor with uh, Carl's brother uh, when he puts ho, 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 now I have a machine gun. Yeah. Oh, now no, I have the, a machine. I keep wanting yeah. to get that sweater and never end up doing uh, it. On the sweater, same thing with... Um, when he's in the air vents and he says, "I feel like a TV dinner," doesn't he say that? Yeah, yeah. I know how yeah, TV yeah. dinner feels. Yeah, uh, you know, there's there's a lot yeah. of fine points in the movie with the uh, humor that feels just really, really good. One that I caught um, that I, I hadn't noticed before was when the reporters are continuing to kind of run with the story and they bring in the psychologist to kind of talk about (laughs) what's going on and um, I think they called it like uh, Helsinki Syndrome. Syndrome. Sweden. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, that's in Sweden. (laughs) Finland. No, no, it's not. And you can see like the TV producer on the side like shaking his head like, good God. And I just like that's how it feels to be a producer on the Games of (laughs) podcast. (laughs) You're like, oh God, why did you say that i just like it too in the beginning where they're trying to debate whether we're gonna have um the guy go to the nakatomi building or not like they're like well, you're on the air and the guy's like oh shit <laughs> you can kind of like see his face like it is it's those very subtle kind of jokes that are in there that just help create good breaks in the action it's levity it adds, it, it just lightens up the situation a little bit absolutely i mean the, the the rolling your balls of your feet on the carpet. You make fists with, yeah. you with your toes. <laughs> like like that. that was that's so weird, but he did it. Well, that's I, a good plot point too. That and that was interesting too because that really paid off. Yes. At the very very beginning of the movie, you know, he's afraid to fly. The guy sitting next to him says, "When you get to where you're going, take your shoes and socks off, make make fists with your toes," and that is a huge plot point later on when John has no shoes and Hans and Carl shoot the glass out of the office building. Shoot the glass. <laughs> I love that line. I don't know why. I love all the weird, just straight up one-liners from him. Pop quiz, hot shot. So I'm going to throw this in now. Of the 13 thieves, how many in the group are German? Oh, I, I think I know this because I looked it up, so I'm going to... Not and I first. don't mean German actors. I mean, how many in the movie are portraying Germans? I'm I'm, I'm shooting my shot. I was gonna say. Okay. I'm saying four. 
chops? I was gonna say four as well. I, I think it's split, right? It's like six. It's five. Right? No, five. Okay. okay. So Hans, Carl, Tony, James, and Alexander. Yep. Are all German. Is Alexander the guy the guy with the Fu Manchu? German. You know what the funny thing is? He uh, plays that role in so many movies. He's actually <laughs> German uh, playing uh, non-German. Really? No. Well. <laughs> I, I thought got, maybe he could have been born in Germany. <laughs> no. no. Just, just an old Asian man born in Germany. <laughs> I got another pop quiz for you guys. Pop quiz, hot shot. I'm an econ guy, and I spotted it, and I hadn't spotted it before as well. How much was gas selling at Carlo Winslow's <laughs> it was gas station? 78 cents. So close. Oh, 79? 79 cents? 74 cents. Uh, I remember those days. 74 cents. I remember it was 70 something. Mm-hmm. Mom well, used to make me fill up the car. Yeah. <laughs> she'd drive, she'd be like, I don't feel like getting out. Here's 20 I'm, bucks for the car. I'm taking partial credit for me knowing it was in the 70 cent range. No, that is damn good. I, I will give you that. To get a little bit even more nerdy on you. If, if you will spare me the moment. Do I hit the pop quiz button? No. Should I? Do you guys know anything about bearer bonds? I don't, actually. No, I'm actually curious about this. So, uh, so uh, yeah, in, in the 1980s, uh, they were used as investments to zoological parks throughout the country <laughs> to finance all of the salmon that bears needed to eat. Uh, it's very important. <laughs> they can still be purchased today, but it was under the Reagan administration that they were first administered. So go out and buy bearer bonds to feed the bears here in America. You but, just sold me on it. And they're, they're more commonly known as yogis. Yes, yes, absolutely. <laughs> and in order Yogi to bears? in order to carry them, you have to have bare arms as well. You're correct. Yes. <laughs> yes. Nailed it. Bearer I'm, I'm moving pre- on. I'm a pretty sharp guy, Sphinx. I know you are. A bearer bond <laughs> is uh, a bond that you can do either with the government or a company, but there is no paper trail. Like that is on purpose. So back in the day, like if you wanted to kind of hide or be anonymous with where your money was, you would have businesses and governments assign bearer bonds to people. And so this was actually outlawed in the early 80s. And so there was a lot of references like why are bearer bonds even a thing in this movie? And so there was a whole bunch of like conspiracy that Nagatomi, like this company, may be like dirty to begin with because bearer bonds are totally not allowed to be happening anymore. And the thing about the bearer bonds is that since there's no paper trail, if they get destroyed, they're destroyed. So it is like actual cash in that way that like as it's fall as they're falling down from the building and getting burned up and all that, like there's there's you can't go to the government and be like, give me evidence of these bonds that I purchased. So they're completely gotten rid of. So that's bearer bonds, in case you're interested. So that's how we build up GameZilla, you see. We, we Yes, get we need to sell bearer bonds, bonds. And we get yogis. And we get yogis. <laughs> mm-hmm. Lots so. of sand. Hey, boo-boo. <laughs> I, I did want to bring that kind of fun thing up. So That no, was super you. fun, yeah. yeah. Sweet. I mean, you know I actually, not, I liked Deadite's story better, yeah. I'm not going to lie. But. Well, I mean, you know, I got to talk about uh, preservation of wildlife, which <laughs> is more important than learning about shady business practices of the 1980s. And President Reagan. Yeah. There you go. This movie, though, I, I, a couple things I want to say real quick is that it's got a lot going on, that, it, but it doesn't feel like any one thing is more important than the other. So, like, during the whole movie, you have Theo breaking into a bank. You So you have a heist, like like a, a, a smart guy working on f- breaking the system. You have Hans 
trying to take control and manage the situation of John McClane. You have John McClane trying to thwart everything, but then you also have henchmen rigging the building to blow. You have the police out. Like, there's so many pieces going on that everything fits really well together. I mean, you forgot you have Argyle trying to break out of the garage. You know, <laughs> That's super chilling important. to some tunes, talking to his lady on the phone with a big bear. I, I do love Argyle. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> Until and, and it's hilarious in the, the one scene where... Um, Al is driving in reverse because he's finally getting shot at and all that. And you see his cop car zipping by in the background while our guy was like jamming out to, I think it was Stevie Wonder at the time. I took two notes. I don't remember what the other one was, but the <laughs> well, one note I remember that I took was limo driver. Just because I loved him instantly. I was like, I love Argyle. This guy is great. He's a great character, great, really minor character that adds a little bit of color and flavor to the movie. Another thing that I love too. Oh yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you know what yeah. I meant. Oh yeah. Ooh, that was that was a misstep. That was a misstep. <laughs> I'm not apologizing for it because everyone knew what I meant. Um, I'm standing by my statement. Just just keep drinking your beer, did I? Yeah, I I'm standing by that statement. Everyone knew what I meant. That was. Not meant to be a prejudice <laughs> comment, but it sounded like one for sure. <laughs> oh, good lord. Hans Gruber. Another thing I love about Hans that also relates to what we've been talking about with John McClane as your average Joe hero is that I also feel like Hans is treated as a, a kind of average villain. In the sense that, like, he has a personality, he is not tied to being this evil person. Like, even throughout the film, he's trying to tell the hostages, like, you know, we're not going to kill you. You know, when Holly is asking about bathroom breaks and, and getting a couch in into the middle of the room. But he is going to kill them. He's going to blow them all up on the roof. Exactly. And so that's what I think is... Unique he's convincing. About, right? He is so convincing. He's charismatic. He's a charismatic villain. See, yeah. this is this was actually one of the areas of the movie that I thought fell a little bit short. I am a really strong believer in the, the more evil the villain, the stronger the hero. And I, I wanted to see more... I want to see Hans be a little more ruthless. Like when he just dropped Alice, mm -hmm. I was like, yeah, okay, we're seeing this guy's cutthroat. I actually wanted to see more of that to make it feel like the lives of the the, the um, people that were held hostage were more in danger, that John McClane was going up against a greater evil. Because I, 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 I feel like personally for me, I need to see that displayed with my villains. I, I like my villains to be you know, intense. I like to see that... They are dangerous. That they, they, that you know, the hero really has a larger mountain to overcome when it comes to their adversary. You want there to be, you want their ego also and their their personality to be their own like doing or their own uh, like hurdle as well, right? Then is that what you're saying? Yeah, in some regards, it's it's okay. And, and again, not not to tie us into another Alan Rickman thing, but I've always had a hard time buying into Harry Potter because Voldemort couldn't even kill a baby. You know what I mean? Like I want I want real actual good villains. I want Darth Vader killed a shitload of kids. <laughs> like that's why he's a good villain in my opinion. You need that. You need that intensity. But that's the magic of Harry Potter is that he's the boy that survive that's kind of like the whole premise but i listen you, know, you can't kill one kid you're not that bad of a villain i am 
I am happy you kind of brought Harry Potter up though, real quick, because I think that the character because of really this Snape, is a Harry Potter podcast now. No, it so is not. Let's get into the magic. No, I'm just saying that <laughs> the the character of Snape that Rickman plays, I see a lot of similarities with as as he is Hans Gruber. Like I know that Snape ends up being a good guy, so I feel like it's kind of like flipped a little bit um, because you get Hans seemingly to be like a good guy but then see what i like about hans is that he grows into a bigger and bigger villain so you kind of see organically him getting pissed off and having those things happen to him and like that's what i loved about it so see um, i don't i don't, have to disagree with you on that i don't really? want my villains to be relatable i want to despise the villain but hans gruber you're like well this guy's plans getting messed up i'd be kind of frustrated too no like i he his henchmen help show it off, you know, when Carl is throwing shit and he's all pissed. His yeah, henchmen are all worthless. He's, he is the cool, calm, and planned out villain. So he comes in with a plan, but he has ways to get around those plans if they fall. And he is in direct charge. There, At no point does he feel, do you feel like he's lost control over anybody. He kind of lets Carl do his thing because, yeah, he wants to get rid of John. And Carl is going to be the best person to get rid of John. He orders the guys to shoot the police tank with the rocket launcher. He plans the whole escape with the helicopter getting blown up on the roof. Like he, and he says, he shoot it again, shoot it again. You know, he's yeah, got that ruthlessness he is, there. He is ruthless, but he's... He's precise with his ruthlessness to a point to where, like, you you know that he's evil and you know he's going to do his things to get to where he needs to go, uh, but he's going to be four steps ahead of you. Yeah. But he didn't seem four steps, steps ahead. It seems like he was taking half measures. Like, it seems like he should, like, the whole operation should have went more like... It, it just, it, I'm trying to think of how I, can, how I can put this into words. It just didn't seem like... Yeah, you, he had a plan, but it seems like he still wasn't able to overcome one guy with a machine gun. Yeah, I mean, I mean, you're right. Um, I would have started shooting hostages. I would have really tried to throw John McClane off because clearly, like this guy's a hero. Like as soon as as soon as he found out that he had John McClane's wife in his hands, I would have killed it right there. You know what I mean? Like like set things off. That would have escalated the situation. I understand it's a movie. It's a Hollywood movie. You yeah. want the happy ending, but I you know I, I would have at least from a storytelling standpoint wanted her life to seem more threatened. This brings up an interesting point I wanted to ask too. You know, the the scene where he does let Alice die. I think um I don't know. I find it interesting like like kind of wanting to ask you guys like what would you do in that situation, but not not really. It's I just I I also agree that like if Hans could have used those hostages a lot more to his advantage and if he was threatening to now take out another hostage and another hostage, I think McLean probably would have given up the detonators. But with it only well, being Alice, and then they kind of moved on, I think that that kind of was like a battle won by John in well, that kind of he instance. Was, he was using the hostages for the police, which was his real goal, because he needed them to cut the power. He needed the police to well, be there. Well, he couldn't have taken out all the, the hostages, needed, I agree, but he could have taken out a couple. Yeah, but he still needs a negoti negotiation, negotiating weight you know, there. He's right. He's right. The whole the whole thing is the long con to get the power out, so you're absolutely yeah. right about no, that. No, because the police, the feds came yeah, and the cut, the the power cut the power almost immediately. Yeah. Because that's protocol of the FBI, the which that, Hans knew. At the time that Hans needed to get killed Ellis, the power was already cut. No, it wasn't. No, it wasn't. 
No, it wasn't. Oh, you're right. It wasn't cut until the, the power was cut quite the, a bit after that. But regardless, the police had no idea how many hostages were actually in there. They had no eyes on there. They couldn't see. No, I think McLean told them it was like 30 people. Yeah, but he told them that. Well, but, and then, McClain, but then for the longest time, they didn't know who McLean was, too. But not only that, McLean stopped, didn't see anybody after. He was running in the building the entire time. If Hans was smart, he would have called up John and said, I'm going to shoot a hostage every five minutes until you get here. And then he could have shot a hostage every five minutes until John got there and still had enough. And knowing that his wife is one of those, absolutely, he, I think he would have given him up. But then the question remains, John gave up Ellis. What would he do in the face of shooting all these other hostages? Yeah. He probably wouldn't go down there. He probably would have given up. The, he probably would have changed his tune. Yeah. You, oh, you, you think he would have? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I, I I just find yeah, I that's that's one of those things in this movie that I've I've always wondered like what like how would I handle that in that kind of situation and you know because you see in the scene you know um the the sergeant you know he's like he just let the guy die and, you know there's that whole conversation between the police officers you know about oh he he was doing what he had to do and all that kind of talk so the only other question I had about this movie mm-hmm. they cut the power but as soon as they cut the power the door opens. There's still power to the computers mm-hmm. that are running the door, and there's still power to open that door. So when they yeah. cut the power to trip the locks, shouldn't it have killed the power to everything? I mean, I'm sure they have emergency generators for certain But then why wouldn't things. they have the electronic lock on an emergency generator? Because it's an old computer system. No, it's a computers brand new computer system. It's the 80s. Yeah, man. I mean, computers in the 80s could, could you know play solitaire and that was about it concerning that, no they couldn't even do that unless you had one with a nice graphical interface <laughs> <laughs> concerning opening the vault uh it brings up something we haven't talked about yet and i know we're getting near the end here the music in this film which i think takes on such a awesome role overall so i love the theme of ode to joy throughout the movie mm-hmm. um, I think that that's you know first off it's Beethoven it's German you know and and the way that they use Ode to Joy when it always involves the bad guys doing something I, I find that kind of neat like I think it really helps in in setting the mood of this movie and, and kind of how things are going with it it made um, for really nice moments like when the vault was opening that that actually made for a, a <laughs> yeah. moment where it, like, I, and again it's still one of my issues kind of with the movie is at that point you're like enjoying the bad things the villains are doing you're like man they did it you know and it, like I, I again I want to dislike the villains so uh, it was a good moment but at the same time I think it detracted from you from and that's what I love about this movie is like it you get you, it, it has you it makes you have different feelings that you don't usually get from typical movies like like you just said like you're kind of like you're kind of enjoying it a little bit that the bad guy is getting successful and, and breaking open that that vault well no you just said you dislike the villains winning but you want them to no. be more ruthless well, no, no 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 I want to because I want them to be ruthless I want to hate the antagonist okay, okay, okay. I want I, I want the antagonist saying, to make me sick and me so badly want to see the hero overcome that, that's that's me that's how okay. I like stories told um you know that doesn't necessarily mean that that would make this movie better I'm just saying like watching I go man I really like that's that's what I want yeah LPJ or I guess anyone in here I I do have one final pop quiz if you can pop quiz hot shot our FBI agents Johnson and Johnson 
No relation. They have done several movies together. Do you know one of them? Yes. Uh, one of them is a James Bond movie. Yeah, License to Kill. It sure is. Um, and then I don't think they were both in Goonies, but the one guy was in Goonies. Robert Davi was in Goonies. Yes. Um, I can't think of what the other one was. Um, they have. I think they've done three. But it was. I think license, it was another. It was license I think it was kill, another. I was going to tell you. War movie. It could have been. Or they made the reference movie. to Saigon, which I thought that was kind of funny. But yeah. Yeah, I don't remember the other one. So. It might have been like. I don't know. It might have been like Running Man or something. Could have been. So I did have that one for you too. All right. Um, Music. Yeah, I mean, do we have any clips that we want to play from this? I mean, it, it is very suspenseful music. You know, when you, when you're seeing the the helicopter fall from the building, you know, you get that. Oh, I wanted that, to talk about that. The helicopter was yeah. it flying pretty low in a city? Oh yeah, like, big didn't time. Like it seemed like that was very dangerous. That how was low just that for thing the movie flying. That was totally just for our movie dramatic. Yeah, that was that scared me like how low that thing was. And I like how they're like when they're when he's deciding that he's going to just shoot everybody on the roof and they're like, "Well, what do we think is going to be the casualties of the hostages?" He's like, "Eh, 20-25%." I don't feel like the FBI would really act like that, right? At least no, I'm hoping not. I don't like think you're going to so. save every single hostage that's that the, you can. But that's the point of the movie is to to villainize part of the the police force and to make John feel look like the better hero. Super right. true. Yeah, which is cool. Uh, this movie was nominated for four Oscars. It did not win any, um, but it was best sound, best sound effect editing, film editing, and then visual effects. I do want to bring something up though about the sound because it, it's always bothered me every time I watch it. Does it is it me or does something weird happen to the sound near the end of the movie? Like when they start to climb up into the um, roof with the hostages. There's, it's like a drop of bass and like an addition of treble, and then like the voices in the acting scenes seem like more distant. They're muffled a little bit. Yeah. Okay. I, I, I've I've noticed that through all the wa- uh, watching I've done of it, it does seem like ever since the scene uh, when they, when McLean's getting shot at on the roof mm-hmm. before he goes back in with yes. his uh and, and goes down the 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 shaft, elevator shaft. Um, or ventilation shaft. Um, right around that time, it's kind of almost seems like their their sound equipment either pooped on them or the mix was bad. Yeah, like I've always noticed. I that. never noticed that. Yeah, I, if you get a chance, I'd say look back on it and you might notice I'm that. Sure, I'll watch clearly. it again. So, well, of course, right? Um, I I don't know. Are, are we getting ready to to rate this? I mean, I'm I think we've it. we've reached that point. Yeah. So what do we got? So we usually give the guests the first opportunity to rate. I, I want Chops to go first. So I'm going to give this movie probably a four and a half machine guns out of five. It's one of my favorite all-time action movies. There are things that I think would have been better. I would have liked to see the watch scene to help make the whole recognizing of Hans more like more uh, fluid in the plot. Um, and there is just a couple scenes that just you know, like I don't know, there's just some characters that I don't really care for. Uh, but overall, it's it's a def- movie. It's an action movie defining film. And I think that everything from the date that it was released has benefited from 
the the groundbreaking that the movie has done. So I, you know, alone with just its impact and my enjoyment of it, and the fact that I never get sick of watching it every year, and I have to watch the second movie right afterwards because I just I don't know. I like there's an urge. Third one I can do with or without, uh, but yeah, I, I really 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 enjoy this movie. So I'm going to give it a four and a half. So I have to I have to preface my thoughts uh, with recapping what I said at the beginning of the show. Um, I, I the first time seeing it was this week. I, I watched it actually, you know, over a couple a period of a couple days, which actually involved me like, okay, I watched an hour, and then you know I went back, and then you know the next viewing I'd start it fifteen minutes earlier than where I left off to just keep the kind of the flow of the movie going. Um, and 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 I I walked into this really not wanting to like it. Because I find diehard fans annoying. I find the persistent posts every December irritating. Um, and it just feels like the movie has been glorified and overhyped for a long time. So with me prefacing that, I actually enjoyed it quite a bit. You know, and and, and I'm definitely the type of person that you, you can't win me over with popular opinion. You, you have to win me over by actually being enjoyable. And, you know, with me going in with a chip in my shoulder prepared, I was prepared to come here tonight and just be like, this sucked. I was so ready to be the spoiler to, to your guys' you know, you diehard fun party. And I actually I actually really liked the movie. Um, I think the, the fun of the dialogue was something that you don't see in a lot of action movies. There, there was a lot of really fun back and forth banter. Um, that just it, it, it's a kind of writing that I like. Um, I like uh, Kevin Smith style writing where it's all really sort of relatable and relaxed, and you get you get moments of that in the way this movie was written. I think though, I think it starts kind of slow, and I think there's a few lulls shortly after the the action picks up. You know, when John's you know moving through the tower, and there those were actually points where I had to stop the movie and like go to bed or you know pick it back up the next day. Like there were some points where I was like. I, I can't keep watching this. I wasn't ever sucked into it, but as soon as I would get back into it, I was like, man, okay, okay, that's a cool sequence. That was a fun scene. Those sort of things kept happening. So with my initial thought of I'm going to be mad and hate this, I'm I'm going to give it a very respectable four to five machine guns because it it is a really good action movie. When you look at it, it's a really fun movie, and that's what I look for in action movie is a fun movie. And it, it honestly was you can't it's undeniable. And so you know I I have to give you guys that you guys got me to watch it and and you won me over. It's not I'm not going to sit here and watch it all the time like you guys do, but I I definitely when I see those posts come this you know you know here in the holiday season, I'm not going to be as salty about everyone wanting to talk about. <laughs> Die Hard here in the Christmas season because uh, I, I I am now someone who who gets why people like Die Hard. So thank you guys for that. Yeah, uh, I'll go next. I did I you you brought up something that I was going to mention, and that is the accessibility of this film to anybody. My wife is not a big action movie fan at all. She loves this movie. Like every time it is on TV. Like, she is glued to it. When I told her we were doing Die Hard, she's like, let me know. Like, I want to watch this movie. And I think that it, it speaks volumes in that this is just one of those movies that everyone can find something to enjoy on. And, and like, you know, you mentioned, you know, like, you, there are those people that are really over the top and they do all that stuff at Christmas time and all that. But, like, there's something for everyone in this film. And, and we made mention as well about how this really does set the recipe up for lots of action movies afterwards. 
And like honestly, I think a lot of the Marvel Cinematic Universe and how they have incorporated a lot of humor into their action movies with very serious scenes that go on in those films, and and that's why those are so popular. Um, I think it all honestly ties together in that way. Um, as LPJ, he kind of spilled the beans in the beginning. I I think this is my favorite action movie of all time. Um, I it is the mo- it is the movie that no matter what, like I will stop and watch it. Like, and I've watched it probably more times than any other action movie. I may have watched this more than any other movie, uh, to be quite honest with you. Um, I absolutely love it. Love it. It it hits my Mount Rushmore, which I've now got three that I've covered. This is a five out of five movie. I love Die Hard. Yeah, I mean, I I don't know what else to add to that. I mean, for me, this is a five out of five. Um, it's always been a five out of five for me. It's always been my touchstone movie. It's the one I have. This is the movie I have seen the most. I've seen this more than I've seen Star Wars. I've seen this more than I've seen Indiana Jones or Jurassic Park. What about Shawshank? Yeah. Oh, that's that's a lot. Yeah. I mean, this is this is the movie. This is the only movie that I can say I've watched every single year um, for as long as I've been watching movies. Um is my favorite action movie. Um, maybe it really is probably the greatest action movie ever made. Um, I don't know what's going to top it. I haven't seen anything yet that's going to top it. Um, yeah, absolutely uh, a five out of five. And there's really nothing else beyond that other than now I want to go and watch the second one right now. That is exactly what I thought after I finished it this yeah, week. I'm like, I need to watch the all the movies now. Mm-hmm. I have actually, I still have not seen the newest one. It's not great. That's what I heard. He like goes to Russia. The is fourth, that right? with yeah, his, the fourth his, and the fifth are not son. great. So the, the most recent one was the the first one I saw because I had a buddy who was like, man, we got to go see Live Free or Die Hard or whatever it's called. <laughs> a Good Day to Die Hard. What is it called? What's I the think it's one? the second one. It's a said. Good Day to Die Hard. Yeah. yeah. So I, I, maybe, I've seen, maybe I've seen both of them. I don't even know above the two most recent, but I was like, yeah, I mean, whatever. They're like, it's super crazy action movie. And I just remember there's like the exploding plane. They're like running away from or something. I, it, it, that left an imprint on me, but the rest of the movie was really forgettable. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Well, um, we are delighted that uh, that Duddett was able to join us, having his his first experience of Die Hard, and we're very happy that we were able to convince him that this is a pretty darn good movie. It won me over. Yep. Not an easy thing to do. Yeah. I'm not easily won over by other people's opinions. I was excited to hear that that we won you over with this movie. Not so much The Crow, but this movie. <laughs> I mean, the, the Crow's The Crow. I mean, we had fun watching it, but, you know, I, I didn't walk... I'd, I'd seen that before. I didn't walk in, into that movie with a disposition to want to not like it. Uh, I did walk in there. Uh, Again, anyone who knows me knows that I can hold vendettas. I can hate (laughs) things for no reason. Like, I'm a jerk. So so the fact that I was like, that's pretty cool. You know, like that. I I, I don't know. If you know me, you know that that speaks a lot. Excellent. And and Chops, we're, we're very happy to have you with us again today as well. Thank you. Glad to be here. So we've got to do the business. And, well, we've got our two guests that are on, well, all of our other shows on Games of the Media. So... Who, Who do you wants want to, to go first to yeah discuss? Time's yours. 
I'm going. All right, GameZilla podcast live at twitch.tv slash GameZilla Media every Friday. Also available iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Overcast, pretty much anywhere you give a, get a podcast, including Spotify. Uh, the GameZilla podcast, we cover what's happening that week in video game news. We answer fan emails, and uh, we have a really good time. So uh, if you are a fan of video games, you play video games, you need to give it a listen. It's the GameZilla podcast, uh, available everywhere I just mentioned and of course gamezillamedia.com and chops is going to tell you about the legend of retro that's right the legend of retro podcast where we myself craig wk and xander and now also the glitch who's part of the team talk about old school retro video games so we choose one game uh an episode focus on that play one other game that we just kind of pick up for five to ten minutes and just go into the history and the structure of that video game Consecutively, I also am on the Noobs and Dragons podcast, which I know is a favorite of many people. It's where Craig WK is the DM of our very first Dungeons and Dragons campaign with myself, Grimlock, and Jazzy Fiddle, playing our very first characters that we've ever made. So it's a fun time of us going through this deep, dark adventure in Craig's twisted mind while also trying to figure out the mechanics and not go insane. And that releases on Wednesdays, while The Legend of Retro releases every Thursday. Another important thing to note, of course, the Last Action Podcast, GameZilla Podcast, Legend of Retro, and uh, Noobs, Noobs and Dragons, Dragons, all part of uh, GameZilla Media, and all hosted and represented at GameZillaMedia.com. But uh, these podcasts uh, hit your ears and hit the internet for free every single week, and it's, it's not free for us to do this. So uh, your support on Patreon.com slash GameZillaMedia means a, a ton to us. Every single dollar you can contribute. So if you're a $1 person all the way up to, we have 25 dollar and more there's five unique tiers which give you different levels of access to gamezilla media be it listening to episodes early or uh voting you know putting influence in on the shows or maybe some exclusive videos exclusive podcasts are available only to an exclusive level there uh patreon.com slash gamezilla media anything that you can contribute helps us keep these shows free and available for you so if you if you get some entertainment out of us we just would appreciate it if you threw a couple bucks back our way it's patreon.com Games of the Media. And lastly, we have a new podcast that joined our group called The Movie Blast with Bob and Bax, where they talk about one movie. They focus on it for about a half an hour, and uh, that comes out on every Friday. So you'll be able to hear another movie podcast that's not focused solely on action movies, but it kind of goes the gambit of uh, all sorts of different genres and, and films that they really like. And you can also read more about our in, our blog uh, I'm sorry, our content on our blog page where we do uh, kind of focuses on video games, focuses on movies. I know Sphinx is going through a horror movie or had just gone through a horror movie. It was a couple months ago. Uh, <laughs> we, we had fun with it back in October. Yeah. Yes. But with Deadite the, I would say, the uh, River Sticks guide of horror movies. <laughs> I, li- I like that. I like, the, I like being the River Sticks Scott, I think uh, you know, I, you know, Sphinx and I had fun. Hopefully, he'll uh, he'll find the will to come over to my house and watch more movies with me next October. Absolutely. Uh, so. I want to uh, make mention. This is our 25th episode. Man, and we're still alive. Quarter, Quarter of a century. century. Yeah. It, it, oh, we're idiots. <laughs> we're both so dumb. We're so cool. <laughs> and I haven't killed you, and you haven't killed me. Not yet. <laughs> uh, so I want to thank all the fans for, <laughs> for sticking sticking things out and listening uh, listening to the show. By the time this comes out, you guys could have killed each other. Yeah, that's that is true. Mm-hmm. That is very possible. Possibly. Yep. And uh, and I want to wish everybody a, a happy and safe holiday season because this will be dropping uh, 
right around Thanksgiving time. So, uh, you know, have fun this holiday season. We're hoping you can you can use this podcast and this movie to help kick off the holidays for you. And, uh, and and really, uh, you know, have fun with your family and, and, you know, put this on with them. I'm sure they'd all love it. But remember, it's not a Christmas movie. It's absolutely a Christmas movie. It's mm-hmm. not a Christmas movie. And in honor of it being a Christmas <laughs> movie, we will leave you with this. Oh, the weather outside is frightful, but the fire is so delightful. And since we've no place to go, let it snow, let it snow, let it snow. It doesn't show signs of stopping, and I've bought some corn for popping. The lights are turned way down low. Let it snow, let it snow, let it snow. When we finally kiss goodnight, how I hate going out in the storm. Still not a Christmas.